0: Redeemed unto good works is one of those concepts that so many of God's people struggle with, but it's truly the reason Christ came, lived, died, and rose for us. Join us today as Pastor
1: Rander discusses how Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross and how we should respond in this message, What a Savior. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Turn with us uh, to the book of Titus, the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, is our text for today. And the scripture says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. And the title of this message is, What a Savior. I love that text, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our blessed hope. And when we look at the trials, go through the trials and the tribulations, when we see all of the things that's going around all over this world. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the coming of Jesus. What about you? (laughs) And uh, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us, says that text, on the cross that he might redeem us, which means he purchased us with his blood. He was the ransom payment for our sins. Uh, Our sins were not paid with money. It was not paid with any other thing, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We all have committed lawless deeds. We've all rebelled against God. We've all offended God. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the scripture says, and purify, that means to purge, to cleanse, to purify for himself, his own special people. We are God's representative. We are his special people. We are the children of God, washed by the blood of Jesus And we ought to be zealous for good works. We ought to be eager and excited to work for the Savior because of what he himself did for us, purging our sins, saving us from the slave market of sin. What a Savior. Since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, the human race has been separated from God we were enslaved by sin and under the power and dominion of Satan. Every aspect of our being has been tainted by sin. Before coming to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, spiritually dead before we came to Christ. Before we came to Christ, we were lost and on our way to hell. But I have some great news today. Romans 5 8 says, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. What a Savior. God sent his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to save us by grace through faith in him alone. How do you know that? Because of what the scripture says. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And they're not of yourselves. You can save yourself. It is is a gift of God. Salvation is a gift from God for us and to us, not of works. You can't work yourself into the kingdom. You can't do enough to qualify yourself into the kingdom. That negates the work of the cross. It is not of works. Unless anyone should boast. Boast of what? Well, how we saved ourselves. we bragging all over the place, but I'm so glad the only person we can brag on is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> the scripture also says in Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only name through which salvation comes. This means Jesus is the only one who saves. He's the only one who secures. Jesus is the only one who gives hope. He's the only one who provides spiritual rest. Jesus is the only one who gives peace. And some are here this morning, and you're lacking peace. You're disturbed. You're restless. You're torn. You're full of anxiety. But this resurrected Savior provides peace like no one else, and most of all, he provides eternal life. Salvation does not come through psychology. Salvation does not come through philosophy. Salvation does not come through academia. It does not come through intellectualism. You're not smart enough to save yourself. Salvation does not come through Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science, Buddhism, Hinduism, Confucius. Salvation does not come through the Baha'i Faith, the New Age cults, the Unification Church, Scientology, reincarnation. Salvation does not come through Muhammad, Islam. There are nature worshipers out there who love to find God in nature. But let me tell you something. You can't get saved through nature. You don't get saved through religious ceremonies. You don't get saved through good works. any other belief systems or religions. Only the resurrected Christ is able to change your eternal destiny and set your captive souls free. Hallelujah. What a savior. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the capstone of the Christian faith. And without it, we are dead in our sins. There would be no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have eternal security. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have hope beyond the grave. When we are not dead, we are not done. We are not annihilated. Uh, When you die, you either go straight to heaven or straight to hell based on who you know or who you don't know, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, this singular doctrine elevates Christianity above all other worldviews and religions. The scripture says in the text in verse 13b, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ what makes our resurrected Savior such a great God? How many of you know he's a great God? He's, a, he's our great God and Savior. What makes him our great God and Savior? Let me give you some things to get sad about as, as it relates to our resurrected Savior. Number one, Jesus is the loving Savior. John three sixteen says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, there are no words in the human vocabulary that can fully explain the depth of God's love toward us. You see, my friends. He loved us with an unconditional love. Jesus loved us with a sacrificial love. Jesus loved us with an everlasting love that cannot be comprehended, that cannot be duplicated, and it cannot be measured. What a savior. God made salvation available to the human race when he gave the precious gift of his one and only unique son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die to save lost humanity from our sins. Though salvation was available to all mankind, it was available to the entirety of the human race, only those who believe in Jesus Christ alone will be saved and spend all eternity with him in heaven. For, you say, how, how do you know that? Because of what the scripture says. In John three sixteen b it says, Whosoever believes in him, trust in him, hope in him, anchors in him, rely upon him, whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is never a moment in time that God ceases to love us. God loved you before you were born. He knew you before you were born. That's a staggering thought. Before you were born, God loved you. He saw you when you were on way. All while you were on earth, he loved you. God loves us at our best, and God loves us at our worst, which demonstrates the beautiful, unconditional love of God. To reject God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is to reject God the Father, which results in damning our own soul to hell, my friend. God desires that we choose to love him, choose to embrace him as our personal Savior, that we may spend all eternity with him in heaven. He's such a loving Savior. I'm so glad God loved me that he sent his son to die for me. I'm as excited about that today as when I first accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Have you been saved so long that you don't get excited about the resurrected Savior? And then secondly, what makes uh, this resurrected Savior such a great God? Number two, Jesus was the humble Savior. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled, underline that, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In other words, my friends, Jesus is the greatest demonstration of humility. If you want to know what is The greatest demonstration of humility is Jesus Christ humbling himself to become a man, to die for you and me. He gave up his throne in heaven. Jesus gave up his exalted position in heaven. He gave up the authority in heaven, his sovereignty, honor, and majesty in heaven to humble himself and become a man. One cannot be greatly used by God until he has first been broken by him. You see, my friends, you have to humble yourself for God to use you. You have to humble yourself to even receive him. God will not use those who are prideful. He will not use those who are arrogant and haughty. He will not use those who have too high of a view of themselves, which results in divine chastening by God. Coming to Jesus Christ means that you have to humble yourself, surrender your rights, and say, Lord, here I am. I'm in need of a savior. I realize I'm a unholy mess, and without you I could do nothing. I come to you now begging you to save me out of my wretched depravity. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my God. Clean up my sinful mess and save me like only you can by your shed blood. That's why he came. The Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14a says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This means that Jesus, the son of God, became God in human flesh to save lost sinners from their sins. Jesus didn't come to save the isle. He didn't come to save the tree. He didn't come to save the eagle. He didn't come to save the dog. He didn't come to save the monkey. He came to save men and women from our sins. In other words, the invisible became visible. And the immortal became mortal. Jesus was undiminished deity and perfect humanity. He invaded time and space and subjected himself to his Own creation to save us from the power of sin. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. And one day in the future, he will save us from the presence of sin. Thanks be to God that he is a humble savior. Thirdly, Jesus was the obedient savior. He was the obedient savior. The scripture says in Philippians 2, 8, and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient underline that word obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross you see my friends obedience is so essential to our worship of christ obedience is so essential to our fellowship with christ and obedience is so essential to our glorifying christ It's no such thing as worshiping Christ while rebelling against him at the same time. Jesus humbly obeyed and submitted himself to the will of the Father. He gave up his throne and splendor in heaven to subject himself to an evil, sin-cursed world to fulfill the redemptive plan of God. He experienced our Lord. Look at, you're talking about I, I was mistreated. Somebody hurt me. Somebody looked at me the wrong way. Somebody stepped on my toe. Somebody said something I didn't like, so I left. I'm so glad Jesus was not a wimp. I'm so glad Jesus was not soft. I'm so glad Jesus did not wear his feelings on his shoulder. You think you've gone through something. Just think about what our Lord went through, my friends. Let me just give you a sampling of what he went through. He experienced physical abuse. Our Lord experienced verbal attacks. He experienced death threats. He experienced rejection from his own siblings. Jesus experienced betrayal to persecution even unto death. Yet each step he made on earth took him obediently to the cross to procure our salvation without one misstep. He got it right 100% of the time with no mistakes. Perfectly he fulfilled the Father's divine assignment for him. He put the Father's will above his own. And that's why so many can't do for God this day. That's why some don't get to church today. That's why so many don't give of their finances today. That's why so many don't pray today. That's why some people just treat God any kind of way. It's because they put their will ahead of God's will and you grieve the heart of God. I love the scripture that says in Matthew 26 39b, he says, all my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, the cup of suffering and anguish and death. Let it pass. It's too tough. But then almost in the same breath, he says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. When are we going to get to the point that we say that? Lord, it's really not about me. It's about you. Therefore, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Lord, I must decrease and you must increase. Lord, I turn over now the steering wheel of my life under your control. You guide me. You keep me. Here I am, a total vessel to be used exclusively by you. What a Savior. Number four, Christ is the exalted Savior. He is the exalted Savior. The scripture says in Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, by himself, by himself, Jesus accomplished the will of the father by himself, purged our sins, cleansed our sins. And once he finished, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of on high. What a verse. After Jesus finished the atoning work that God assigned him to do, God the Father exalted him. You say, what does that mean when you say God the Father, when the scripture says God the Father exalted him? It refers to our Lord's resurrection from the dead. It refers to his ascension up into heaven. It also refers to his glorification being set back at the right hand of the Father where he even now, reigns as king, reigns as savior, and reigns as Lord. I love in this particular passage, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, which says, therefore, God also has, he highly exalted him. God didn't kind of exalt Jesus. He didn't exalt him just a little bit. I mean, he highly exalted Christ and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus. Can somebody say Jesus with me? Can somebody say Jesus with me? That at the name jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven of those on the earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father his name is above every name i know some of you like your names and some of your children's children children you got children matthew to four, junior the first the second third fourth and fifth and all that But I tell you something, Jesus' name is above your name. I know you think, some of you think you're important, but listen, you're not as important as Jesus. His name is above every name. And let me tell you something, in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Let me tell you something, you better bow, you better hurry up and bow and own him as your Lord and your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because you gon' bow. You either bow now and acknowledge him as Lord and God, or you will before the great white throne bow before the judgment of Christ the great white throne of Christ and be banished to the lake of fire forever you will bow you either bow now or bow later but you gonna bow you gonna bow. You gonna bow. The atheists gonna bow. That's right. The agnostics gonna bow. The free thinkers gonna bow. The, the folk that, that that shake their fists in the face of God, one day they're gonna bow and acknowledge him, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and then still bust hell wide open. Oh my God. Number five, Jesus is the sufficient savior. he's the sufficient savior second corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 says and we have such trust through christ toward god not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves but our sufficiency is from god beloved Paul did not have any confidence in himself or in his own human ability, but rather his confidence was only in Christ. Beloved, if you try to find sufficiency in anything else apart from Christ, you are destined to be disappointed. You are destined to be disillusioned and you are destined to be dissatisfied. You will not have contentment in Christ until you come to the conclusion that he alone is enough for you. You'll not have it. That's why people are restless. That's why they can't stay put. That's why they church hop all over the place. They're looking for contentment in the wrong places. Is Jesus enough for you? If he's not, you're going to have habitual discontentment. People are restless, agitated, and discontented because they are relying on cheap substitutes. Is Jesus enough for you? Listen, people are relying on their money, but money can't bring satisfaction. A lot of wealthy folk are miserable. Uh, people looking for uh, contentment and pleasure and entertainment, and social media. Power, prestige. People are looking for contentment and popularity. Alcohol, they drink in the morning, noonday, night. They get mad. They drink drugs, opium, all kinds of stuff. New drugs being created. Listen, I am scared of drugs. Uh-huh. I'm gonna tell you something. You need to be scared of some of these, scared of some of these legal drugs too. I mean, be wise even that I'm not saying don't take drugs, but you better be wise and take it, in. because when you see all the stuff, it say it will do this. But when I started seeing that, and blah, 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 You know, they say it real fast. It costs swimming in the head. It caused this, 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 that. It caused fallouts and blackouts and listen, and blah, blah, What was that? What was that? You better, man, I almost get too scared to take the medication. I said, man, I think I'm better off without it. <laughs> you have to take that by faith. It's amazing. You can see that whole list of what it does, you still take it and don't even take Jesus. Think about that. You don't even understand the prescription that the doctor wrote, don't even understand the man's handwriting. But you understand this message is clear as a bell and you walk away from it. But you take, all, you take the medicine with the side effects and hope it don't come. Oh my God. Now I'm not saying don't take your medication. Go on, take it. I take it too. But you better pray before you take it, pray when you take it, and pray after you take it. Do I have a hallelujah in here? <laughs> yeah. Some of you are looking for contentment in relationships. You go from person to person, have no contentment. You get girl after girl after girl, sex, 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 beauty, beauty, beauty. I um, mean, you get one divorce, one wife, two wife, three wife divorce, fourth wife, six wife, eight wife divorce. That almost like a song. Uh, stop messing up all these women lives. Stop messing up all these men lives, Bringing all this baggage. Listen. You go just going through a divorce. Don't you hop into a marriage two days later? You're not healed yet. Matter of fact, God might want to send you back to where you were. He said, oh, pastor, don't say that. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes you think the grass is green on the other side, and when you get on the other side, you find out it's nothing but artificial turf. <laughs> Everything that glitters is not gold. So, be, ask God to help your marriage. Ask God to strengthen your marriage. You know what you got, but you don't know what you're getting. Be satisfied. Ask Jesus. Jesus can transform that marriage. Jesus can beautify that marriage. Jesus can salvage that marriage. Some of you don't want it, and you don't even want God to help it. You don't even pray for him. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas or call us at 210-821-5683. Join the Maranatha Bible Church family on Resurrection Sunday, April 9th for our 8 a.m. worship celebration, children's program at 9.30 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. worship celebration As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, what a blessing it is to know that Christ Jesus lives today and every day.
0: Three star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.